Hey team, so normally this would be the part of the show where you hear the super upbeat, fun uh, rock music that we usually start with, but as you all know, we've been talking about episode 16 for a very long time and what's coming, and now that Jesse is up to speed, we can uh, actually, you know, talk about it. (laughs) Um, So big trigger warning for this episode with uh, school shootings and suicide and loss of a parent and i think also we just want to say and we'll say it again multiple times throughout the episode that if you are if you or someone you know needs to talk to somebody there are resources for you and we will put them in the comments and on the episode description and just know that we love you guys and if this one this episode is not for you then we'll see you next week Hello, everyone, and welcome to On Wednesdays We Watch One Tree Hill, the podcast where a bunch of nostalgic millennials sit around and talk about a TV show from the early 2000s that they either grew up with or have never seen before in their entire lives. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Brody, and with me, as always, is Jesse. Hi. And Caitlin. Jesse's t-shirt says nope, and that is wildly accurate for the day. Yes, yes. Uh, and today we are talking about season three, episode 16 of One Tree Hill, titled With Tired Eyes, Tired Minds, Tired Souls, We Slept, which, fun fact, is a song by Explosions in the Sky. I don't know that one. Nope, I don't either. But that title will never leave it's me ever. It, it, it is nope. as heavy handed as the rest of this episode is. Mm-hmm. Oops, I said it. Um uh, <laughs> So, okay, we start the episode with uh, we see Jimmy's Jimmy Edwards's uh, time capsule interview again, and it provides the voiceover as Jimmy is outside the school lighting up a cigarette and watching everyone start their day. Um, Once the voiceover ends, we see him throw the cigarette on the ground and he says, here we go as he walks into the school. Um, he sees the bullies from the last episode at trick, um, are now at his locker, um, destroying it. Um, they've got it open somehow and they are tearing apart all of his stuff and they push past him and push him out of the way. And Jimmy immediately turns around and pulls out a gun. Just as that happens, Brooke and Peyton come around the corner to the glass doors and they see the gun And they duck as Jimmy shoots at the door. Chaos immediately erupts from the school. Principal Turner goes into the office and calls a code red. Uh, Everybody hears that except poor Mouth, who is in the AV room, editing footage from from a game. And we see Haley, Skills, Rachel, and a few other students uh, locked down in the tutor center. And we see that Brooke made it outside in the chaos, but she can't find Peyton. Yep. It's, it's okay. So we all knew this was coming, right? Like even even me before I saw this, uh, before I started the episode, and before I saw the preview, kind of figured out what was happening, right? Mm-hmm. So this, uh, and I don't know how to talk. I I'm having a hard time talk, like figuring out how to talk about this episode, right? Yeah, because it it's not an episode that we can make like funny haha jokes about but uh 
which is what I do, which is why I'm here, uh, is to... Uh, it's, it's what we do with this show. We make the funny haha jokes, and this is the one episode. There are none in this and, episode. Right. There are things that, with it, my dark sense of humor, I did laugh out loud during. Oh, um, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. same. I know exactly what you're referring to. But, right. I can tell you the moment I had to stop because I cackled so much. We'll get to that point. But that, <laughs> oh, boy, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to get that now that we are established in the episode, yes. I think the three of us should like touch base and just like it, talk about how hard this episode is going to be to talk about. Yes. <laughs> because hard to talk about was extremely hard to watch, even if, though I knew exactly what was going to happen. Right. I was telling Brody a, a couple weeks ago that. I have not watched this episode in literal years. Mm-hmm. I was going, I would go as far as to say that is the second or third time I've seen that episode mm-hmm. in the past 10 years, really, okay. or really since it aired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it was because since this episode aired approximately 20 years ago, 15, give or take that, the number of school shootings in America has rapidly increased. Yeah. Or now that I'm an adult watching it through the lens of an adult watching these kids suffer. But it was much harder to watch now. And I was much more emotional now about the overall context of the episode than I was when I was a child. There's even a line in this episode about how they say they pray to God that Tree Hill does not become a name that everybody remembers. And the mm-hmm. sad fact is now today there are so many school shootings. You don't remember all of the we names can't like remember we them used all. to it's because strange. there's too many. There's and too it's many. And that's, awful. It hurts. It's just. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. But I think like. The <laughs> poor mouth. My yeah. own like. How'd he get into the AV room before school started? That's Oh, you that's know, my... he gets there early every day to, oh, yeah. to edit game that's footage. That's the only funny haha I have. I know, he I know. that early. He's got, he's got keys to the AV room. Like, yeah. we established that last week, you know. I'm impressed that he still does, given what happened last week. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But um, anyway. Yes. So then, in the chaos of everybody leaving, um... We see Whitey and I'm assuming the basketball boys getting bust back from practice at the gym mm-hmm. because that that's that, that, that that's because that was my thing of like, I thought about this whenever I first saw it and had to stop and like, why is Whitey and Nathan and Lucas and all the other boys on the bus coming right. to school? Like they're Which, not they're coming from morning practice at the other Exactly. They're coming yeah, from practice basketball. at the other gym. I had and, I had one of those is Whitey Durham the only teacher in the school and is he also the bus driver moment uh, <laughs> while when he ran off the bus. I'm like, is Whitey just driving the fucking bus now? Like yeah. there. Yeah. And I will say this scene is one of my favorites because of how it, it's it, there's a sweetness to it of Whitey trying to take care of his kids while this mm-hmm. is happening, because what happens is. Whitey and the boys get off the bus. Brooke immediately runs into Lucas and says, someone has a gun and they're shooting and she can't find Peyton. They were together and now she can't find him. Whitey immediately says, everyone get your ass on the bus, Mm -hmm. get on the bus, 
We're leaving. Go. Nathan ignores Whitey because he immediately knows that Haley's in the tutor center. It's the beginning of the day. That's where she starts her day. And Whitey orders him not to go in. And Lucas says, I got him, coach. And Lucas literally goes and tackles Nathan to the ground to keep him from going in the school. And Brooke then tries to go after Lucas, which Whitey immediately picks her up physically, throws her <laughs> ass to the bus and shuts the doors and says, go. Mm-hmm. Yes. Ooh. And the boys have like a little tiff of like, Nate, you can't go in there. Nate's like, Haley's in there. I'm going in. Bye. And <laughs> Nathan so they, said, the fuck I can't. <laughs> right? So they both go in the school and we cut to Haley in the tutor center as the kids are lined up along the wall. Um, and she says, you know, everyone just stay down and stay calm. They're safe here. And the camera pans across every single student who's there, who it's Haley, it's Rachel, it's Skills, it's another uh, male student we don't know, it's a female student we don't know, and then Jimmy. Yep. Which, truly, like, the worst kind of bad reveal. Uh, Like, that was the first of two moments that got a genuine oh shit reaction three moments that got a genuine oh shit reaction because like i don't know uh we're not very far into the episode but i uh once jimmy shot that gun and i saw the look on his face after he shot the gun i the danger i didn't feel like anyone was in any real danger yeah Mm -hmm. after that Mm -hmm. um because like we don't know Jimmy very well, but right we seeing that look on his face after that first shot, we could see very clearly he is in over his head. He has no fucking idea what's going on. Um, no, he looks scared in that reveal. Yeah, he looked scared in the reveal. He looked like c- terrified after he pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. I. Which took all the air out of all the stakes of this episode for me until the very end. Yeah. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it does. I, I was expecting to be rocked by this episode. I'm not going to lie. And I like mouth made me feel a little bit. And then I got really shouty at the end. And but other than that, I didn't. It didn't get me. Like, and I feel like an asshole because I, I, uh, I can acknowledge the emotion of this being a really real issue that kids live with today that we grew up dealing with this Mm -hmm. fear. Uh, but this episode didn't, I don't know if it was the writing, if it was how quickly this whole thing was like sprung on us, this drama with Jimmy or what it was, but it just didn't, something didn't click with me and I didn't feel. And oh, I, I don't know. It's hard. I, I've been toying with it for the last half hour since I finished the episode. And I just, I just feel like an asshole for no, saying you're not, you're not an asshole. No. I mean, it's to me, and I mean, again, like watching this as a child, like it's, I don't think there's anything wrong with how you're reacting to this episode because you're, you're not wrong in a way this was sprung on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, like 
the releasing of the time capsule and bringing Jimmy back. And then this entire episode, like you don't see any of it coming. Um, especially not the end, but it's, I think I, there is, uh, there's absolutely a part of me that thinks that they, the writing room knew where, where they needed to go in -hmm. terms of what happens at the end of this episode. Yeah. And they needed a way to get there. Right. But on the flip side of that, with the exception of very few cases, um, like the most recent school shooting that happened in Michigan, there were no signs. Um, there's not ever a warning. Right. It's it's not something that people ever see coming. So I, I it's like I applaud them for that and for mm-hmm. realizing that this is a situation that doesn't necessarily re- require a lot of pretext. Um, yeah. But I'm also with you in the sense that I do think it was very much a plot device to get to where we needed to get at the end of the episode. Right. And I think that's what that is. It Okay. So first of all, this TV show, I am used to setting up their storylines. They are so good at that. They are this so one, good they at. They do. Right. They at planting seeds that grow into drama in half a season, a full season, or we revisit it next season, you know, like the show is so good at developing the drama and spending the time exploring how it affects every character. And I think it's exactly what you were saying that like in real life, you don't get a warning, but it did feel like a plot device. Like, oh, okay. So this needed to happen by the end of episode 16. You know, how are we going to do it? Oh, this this kid who we haven't thought about in two and a half seasons. We'll bring him back and make him a villain, right? It felt like a heavy-handed TV plot device. Instead yeah. of showing it the respect and the... Um, taking it as seriously as I think the issue of school shootings needs to be taken, right? Yeah. And I think part of that is also the time of when it was because any mention of a school shooting in the early aughts was heavy and yeah. was so dark and was so I mean, l- let's not forget a couple of years prior to this um, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, they had an episode where there was a possible school shooter and it wasn't even a school shooter. It was that someone said, I'm going to kill you all. And it turned out to be a demon or whatever it was, you know, but it happened right before Columbine. They pulled that shit off the air. Right. And it did not get aired for another nine months. It didn't get aired till like mid season of the next season because they were so scared about it. And the sad fact is we are so used to gun violence mm-hmm. that this scared teenager doesn't affect us anymore. And that's really sad to say. Um, I think what they leaned into was his him being a scared, unpredictable teenager instead of a malicious villain, which is good. Yeah, Yeah. which I I really, really appreciated that of this episode. Um, He wasn't a maniacal like ha twirling my mustache, snidely whiplash kind of villain. No, he not was a at scared, all. He was a scared teenager. And I think what makes the, the episode powerful, at least from my perspective, was mm-hmm. not Jimmy. 
Jimmy is nothing to me at the, in this episode. He is the, he, like you said, he's a heavy handed plot device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the reaction that you get out of every other character. Yeah. yeah. No mouths. Lee Norris's performance in this episode was honestly, when we talk about the show, not getting award recognition because of the channel it aired on, this is the kind of performance mm-hmm. I, I was talking about at least is this like incredibly grounded emotional performance that Lee Norris put in mm-hmm. as mouth during this episode was phenomenal. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree with that, Brody. I, uh, I do agree that Jimmy should have. Yeah. He was pushed aside as this like weird plot device to get us from point A to point B mm-hmm. to get us where we needed to be. I, and I think that, you know, I think part of what hit me so hard with Jimmy and Jimmy's personification and the choices the writers made for him in this episode, I think that was, it hit me harder as an adult because he was so terrified. Right. Like he was, you know, I mean, at one point towards the end of the episode, uh, he even asks Nathan, does this feel well-planned to you? And, I mean, yeah. just from the get-go, as soon as he pulls the trigger, like, you know that boy has never touched a gun in his life before the before when he pulled that trigger and brought it to school. And I appreciated that, you know, like, y'all said that he's not malicious, that this wasn't premeditated that it wasn't Mm -hmm. you know like something he spent weeks doing he was just he was tired he was was done he was done yeah and it's he was at the end of his rope and that was the only thing he could think to do yeah that for me was harder to watch now than it was when i was a teenager yeah um but yeah Yeah. so what happens next on one tree hill brody yeah so um (laughs) Yeah, and we'll go. I'm sure we're going to go through the plot stuff real quick and just have then these huge discussions. So it's yeah different format than what we used to. We're usually doing kids. So um, we go back to Lucas and Nathan who end up in Whitey's office and they arm themselves with baseball bats. This was the moment that I chuckled. This uh-huh. was because I'm like, uh, Nate's first thought is Whitey's baseball bat will protect me. <laughs> like, yeah. Yes. Uh, no, that's not Nathan's first thought. Nathan's first thought always is I have to go protect Haley. Well, yes, but yes. how will but I to do so yes. with Whitey's baseball bat? I, yes. I did laugh at that uh, exact moment. When and Lucas I, calls him out on it. Lucas yeah. is like, what? A gun versus a baseball bat. This is going to end well, Nate. Right. Yeah. And, I'm, and I think that that levity was needed. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think we needed that moment to have a laugh before the episode continues. Yeah. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. This and was one of the times. And then there was another one, which we're going to get to very shortly, mm-hmm. that I will also bring up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because Nathan basically says he doesn't want to play the waiting game with the police. He admits it's stupid to be in there, but he can't live without with he can't live with doing nothing if something happens to Haley. And Lucas is like, yeah, OK, fair point. Yeah. And there was a very sweet moment between the brothers because, because Nate, we're not there. We'll we'll get to there. We'll get to that. Oh, 
we'll oh, get to that. We'll tear get to my that. heart out. There's a there's a very quick scene where Haley like enforces the procedure that like nope, we stay put, we stay quiet, whatever. Because some of them were like, well, let's bust out the windows and run out the window, and they're like, it's to an enclosed courtyard, and if we break the glass, we're only going to draw attention to ourselves. And one of the kids, I think his name's Marcus, um, yeah. calls Ugh. the shooter calls the shooter a psycho. And Jimmy pipes up and says, why would you call him a psycho? You know what? Fuck, fuck that kid, Marcus. Fuck yeah. him. Fuck him yes. all day. Like, yes. yeah. And I'll just say the two kids that we don't know their names, we find out later their names are Marcus. And then the girl's name is Abby. Yeah. So mm-hmm. right now it's Haley, Skills, Rachel, Marcus, Abby, and Jimmy are in the Tudor Center. That's mm-hmm. where we're at. Uh, yeah. Then we get Lucas and Nathan at the glass door where it was shot out and Lucas finds blood on the floor and Lucas immediately goes to the conclusion of it's Peyton because they can't find Peyton. And Nathan's like, I have to go find Haley. And Lucas says, I have to go see whoever's bleeding in the library because the library doors don't lock. And they split up and there's a very sweet moment where they, without words, basically say be careful and i love you yep absolutely because lucas just says lucas just says nathan and they pause and nathan just says back you too Uh uh-huh yeah and they go their separate ways yep brothers brothers yeah Uh, yeah god rip my heart out (laughs) rip it out and see it was moments like that where i cried i was like oh god okay yep emotion real happening it's fine it's Mm -hmm. fine i'm getting misty here we're good yeah yeah then um oh here was the other one uh then we follow lucas into the library and he hears a noise and he sees peyton crouched behind a bookcase with a very hurt leg and he tries to get her up but she says she can't walk she thinks some glass hit her and cut her And she's bleeding and she says, Lucas, no, 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 don't leave me. Don't leave me. As he goes to blockade the door and he says, or I'm just going to block the door and we'll hide in here. He's not going anywhere and he's not leaving her. Mm -hmm. I'll just say right now, props to Hillary Burton for the A plus like scared, terrified, vulnerable acting she did in this library scenes. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. good. So like all of them were, were great. I just love how, honestly terrified she seemed the entire time yeah yeah so good so so good then we go to nathan who walks down the hallway and runs into a very clueless mouth (laughs) just just trying to talk it full voice what's going on like shut the fuck (laughs) up mouth God. Yeah, and mouth's like i was in the av room and then i walked out and it was like dawn of the dead and nathan's like don't say dead mouth Mouth like, why not? He's like, someone has a gun, and Mouth went, oh shit. Uh, but, but, um, okay, but, yep. yep. And my favorite thing is, he says, Mouth, you got to get out of here. And Mouth takes in his surroundings, looks that Nathan has the bat, and says, I think I'm going to stay with you. Yep, that made me laugh. Yep, that was like, the other yes, moment that I, yes, I definitely yes. chuckled a little bit. Yep. Yes, yes. He knew what he needed to do. <laughs> yes. Yes. So then we get to the Tudor Center and um, they hear the door handle jiggle. And Haley immediately gets up and sees a driver's license get shoved underneath the door, which it's Nathan's. And so she immediately is like, yes, I'm going to open the door for my husband. And Marcus is like, 
fuck no you're not until which still- good on him i'm on i'm him. glad that i'm also glad that they were you know because obviously at this point up to this point with the tutor center like Haley has been very much nope we're gonna follow protocol we're gonna stay here the door's staying locked everyone stay mm-hmm. quiet but then all that goes out the window the moment she thinks that nathan is on the other side of the door and mm-hmm. i really appreciated that moment for her because it reminded us all that she is a child. Yes. Like she is the most responsible of the children, but she is still a child. She is still a child who thinks, Oh, my husband is on the other side of the door just because it's his license. I'm going to open it. Like that. And I'm glad that even if it was Marcus of all people, I'm, I'm glad that somebody stopped her. Yes. Yeah. Uh, until Skills stops Marcus by shoving him against the wall, and Haley proceeds to verify if it's Nathan by whispering always through the crack in the door, and we hear a very faint whisper of, and forever on the other side, and we realize, yes, it is Nathan, of course, and she opens the door and lets Nathan and Mouth in, and Nathan immediately says, they're leaving, we're going to get you guys out of here, until Jimmy pulls out the gun and says, no one's going anywhere. Phew. Oh, Lord. Yep. And then we get uh, all very tough scenes to, like, try to process, but also summarize. So bear with me. Um, Jimmy immediately makes them all go to the other side of the room and shuts the door. And he kind of taunts the rest of the kids a little bit before... He, he before one of the girls, if it's Abby, um, asks him why he's doing all this. And he basically says, what's my full name? And she can't answer that. And he makes everyone throw their cell phones to him. Uh, Rachel with her pepper spray and Nathan's baseball bat to him. And he makes Nathan tape a line down the center of the room that they can't cross. Mm-hmm. This was... The second time I cried this episode <laughs> when yeah. he's asking everyone, you know, what's his name? And Haley responds yeah. finally and yeah. says all the nice things that she says about him. And it's just it just hurt. Like, because you you could tell like she's I mean, because she knew Jimmy just like Mouth and Lucas did and, and skills mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. she's devastated that this person that she thought she knew is so hurt that he felt like he had to do this because I don't think Haley thought for a second that he was doing it maliciously. And I don't think, I don't think mouth did either for that matter, you know, just because they know him. Yeah. Um, but the first time I cried was literally at the beginning of the episode while Jimmy's voiceover is happening and he's like getting ready to go into the school because it just, Oh, I, I have a lot of, I had a lot of emotions specifically about Jimmy this episode Mm -hmm. and what he went through and Oh God. Anyway. Yeah. No, I, I do agree that the, the, the setup for this episode, like just how quiet it was. There was no Gavin DeGraw. There was no, basketball bouncing extra on the bridge there was a content warning there was a black screen title screen and then it was jimmy's face right like it was and it all uh, happens in a matter of three minutes maybe from start to finish of the start of the episode to everyone in their spots yeah yeah for the rest of the episode yeah yeah 
Oh. Yeah. So outside the school, uh, Mayor Dan is berating uh, Principal Turner nice. about the security for the school. And Turner basically turns all of it around about, well, we can't search them because that's against their civil liberties. And uh, there were a couple other things. Oh, yeah. They only have nightsticks for security because guns scare people. And I'm pretty sure the school board, which you were on, voted against metal detectors because they make the school seem unsafe. Yep. Loved Principal Turner this episode. One of the few times I do. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, but it was just, and it was nice to like see, even though Dan is the mayor, it was nice to see, you know, Principal Turner telling him to go fuck himself and the head of like the chief of police telling him to go fuck himself. Like, right. Well, because, and it's also, yeah. go, go ahead, Jesse. Oh, no, because, like, yeah, he's the mayor now and he loves to abuse his privilege. But in a real-ass emergency, your uh, your privileges only go so far and you right. are relegated to status of worried parent, just like and, everyone else. And that's yep. what I was going to say, because you can tell in Dan's face he's not being the power-hungry, malicious asshole that he always is. No, he's a concerned father right, at yeah. that point. And he's like, I'm going to do whatever I can to protect my son. Right. He's a concerned father who is used to throwing his weight around and getting exactly. what yeah. he wants. And he can't do it. And he and can't this and time. Ter- and you can see the terror on that man's face once Turner calls him out on all of it. And yeah. that is one of the things that propels us towards the end of this episode, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So then we get to uh, the old gym and that is where they've um, taken all the kids who got out of the school. Um, And Brooke is told that no one can go home unless they have a parent with them. And Brooke's like, my parents are in California. And the guy's like, well, then you're going to be here a while. Fuck. I felt Brooke Davis this episode. Yeah. Absolute like. She wasn't involved directly in any of the, like, A plot action, right? Mm-hmm. But, oh my god, she, it was Brooke Davis, colon, hero, the rest yes. of the episode. I fucking, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. And and while that's happening, we pan over to a mother, um, it's, it's Mary Edwards, it's Jimmy's mom, oh. and she is desperately crying for her son to see where he is do, do where where's my son and the police ask her to come with them what one thing we did miss mm. when haley said his full name yes. uh part of the reason she did fill in the blanks in that conversation and say his full name is because she had the cops on her cell phone she had 911 on the phone right oh my god and, i forgot about that that's right that's that's what prompted yeah. him to because there's so much that happened in those two in these Tudor scenes that I'm gonna forget stuff. So no, call me yeah, out. yeah. Um, it, it, she had Haley had nine one one on her phone behind Nathan's back, and that's what prompted him to take all of their phones. Mm-hmm. Was that but, Haley had nine one one, and Jimmy actually answered the phone, said if anyone comes near the tutoring center, people are gonna die. Yeah, and the, but that is why the cops know that they that, need to yeah. pull Mrs. Edwards Ma- aside yeah. to, to pull Mary out. Yeah, yeah, to have a talk with her. Yeah. yeah, that so. poor woman. Oh my god, she is such a brilliant actress. I will just say this: it's I'm going to spoil something for you, Jesse. She doesn't go anywhere for a few episodes. Good. Okay, good. And she is phenomenal yeah. in this show. I cannot remember the actress's name, but she's 
brilliant. I'm, I'm on Brill- the IMDb page, so I'll find uh, her. Yes. But no, I, I'm glad that, like, Haley had the foresight to find a yes. way to call 911. It yes. was really, like, I'm glad that she did that and that she got away with it for as long as she did. Yeah. 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 So I'm, once again, you know, it's like now that Nathan is here and safe, she's like, okay, I can put my head back on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, then we go back to the library and Lucas examines Peyton's leg a little more and he tells her that they need to put pressure on the wound. She's bleeding a lot. And she tells him that it was his friend, Jimmy, who had the gun, but he didn't look angry. He looked scared. Um, then back at the Tudor center, um, Jimmy's had them, you know, put the line on the half of the classroom and they are all now at the back wall and he tells them they cannot cross the line or else. And Haley kind of calls him out on it and says, what are you going to do, Jim? Are you actually going to shoot us? And the whole conversation makes him kind of go after mouth and their conversation turns and Jimmy says he didn't want this. He just wanted it all to stop. He didn't want any of this to happen. He just wanted it all to stop. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. Yep. And through that conversation, Jimmy also threatens that there are others out there. And Nathan's skeptical because he's like, I was out there. There was no one else around. And Jimmy's like, how do you know that? And Jimmy then goes off on how other people make people make fun of others and make people feel bad. And that's why he's doing this. Um, and as one of the cell phones keep ringing in the desk drawer that he threw them all into, um, it's Marcus's, um, Jimmy answers the phone and then throws it against the wall to break it. And he starts throwing the phones as that happens. Marcus takes that opportunity to try to charge Jimmy, which only gets a gun in his face and a very tense moment where Nathan and skills try to deescalate the situation and skills finally does but getting Marcus's attention and punching him to the ground. Yep. God, Skills was like the enforcer during this episode. Skills was great this episode. I love Skills this episode. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Then we get concerned parent Dan again, um, berating now the police captain about doing nothing. And the chief warns that, you know, there may be more gunmen in there. They don't know. They have to follow procedure. Um, And... As the, as he's walking away, Keith shows up, and actually we see that later Karen is as well. They've both shown up, and Keith asks Dan if it really is Jimmy Edwards, and Keith says, I know him. He's not a bad kid, and Dan says, well, he is now, and Oof. yeah, and then we see uh, Keith go back to Karen, who is breaking down because the police asked her to let them know what Lucas was wearing, and she couldn't. Because she didn't remember what he had on. And she didn't even get to say goodbye to him this morning as he went to school. And she breaks down in Keith's arms. Mm. Yep. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, then uh, back at the gym, uh, we see a news reporter on a laptop having a copy of Jimmy's time capsule video. And she's on the phone with her station and says, oh, this is great. We'll air this live. We'll get student reactions. And Brooke slams the laptop down, the lid down, and tells her that she's the uh, student council president. And immediately calls her insensitive. 
Yes, mm-hmm. calls her insensitive and says, who are you? I'm the student council president. And she goes to Ready Brooke for an interview and asks her how she feels about all this. And Brooke just says, you should be ashamed of yourself and walks away. Yep. Yep. Yes. Queen Brooke Davis. Queen mm. Brooke Davis. Yes. Oh, my God. Um, back in the Tudor Center, they start hearing helicopters outside and they're like, oh, it's SWAT. No, it's just news copters because, you know, they're not part of a media circus. And Nathan asks Jimmy what he wants from all of this. And the sad thing is Jimmy doesn't have an answer. Um, then everyone starts trying to talk him down and say, hey, Jimmy, it's not going to be this. It's not going to be bad. You know, you can still turn yourself in. You've not hurt anybody. You're going to be just fine. And you can tell they're all just trying to, you know, de-escalate the situation, get him to turn himself in until fucking Marcus <sighs> says, I'm not going to lie. He's screwed. I'm not going to lie for him. And yeah. Fuck that Which, kid. Uh, <laughs> he, I mean, I'm like the thing about Marcus is he is awful. Mm-hmm. But he also has justified his- emotions for what's going on. He does. And not only that, but I, I appreciate that they put an outsider in the room mm-hmm. other than, you know, Abby, who is having a hysterical breakdown, which is also a completely, you know, validated reaction. Yes. But it was nice. I, I think they needed that opposition to the rest of the squad that is that at least at a glance right. knows Jimmy and knows who Jimmy is truly is like because you've got Haley mouth and skills who used to be friends with him you've got rachel who admittedly you know she's had one interaction with the dude but she's seen enough to know that this kid is troubled mm-hmm. because of what happened last episode yeah and then you've got you know nathan who let's be honest here he probably threw jimmy in a trash can at one point like probably yeah he absolutely did so i think with that knowledge that those, you know, five characters have and possess, you know, they're all trying to do this the nice way because they, at the very minimum, know who this person is. And I think we needed that opposition in the room Mm -hmm. to push Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, because I honestly, I do think that, had, you know, Marcus not been in, specifically Marcus, not been in the Tudor Center, it would have, there would have been a chance that Jimmy let everyone go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and our, just like looking at it from a TV perspective, right? Uh, we want the crew that we are familiar with to be the level-headed heroes, Right. right. Yeah, we can't. If Haley were the one in the corner having a hysterical breakdown, like while it would still be a valid response to the situation, that's not what we want to see from Haley, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So our our characters, our crew, the ones that we know and love, are get to be the level headed heroes, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of how realistic necessarily those reactions are. But I, I agree with you, Marcus and uh, who Abby, the Abby, other, is that yep. Abby yep. are the more realistic 
reactions to teenagers in the situation, you know, and and mouth. Those are the three uh, characters in this room reacting to Jimmy in the way that I think is most believable, even Mm -hmm. though I'm saying fuck Marcus. Like, yes, yes, I absolutely. But also I like Marcus at the same time. Like, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's and I totally child, understand. You know, exactly, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, then all of that turns, and Abby speaks up, um, and we have all of this conversation that's really poignant. And she says, "They're all just kids, but the things they say and the things they do matter, and they shouldn't hurt people, but they do." And then Rachel pipes in and says, "High school is seven hundred days." Out of about twenty to thirty thousand days, why can't you just deal with it? And Jimmy tells her all of the horrible stuff that's happened to him about getting beat up at the quad, his father leaving his family, all of this stuff. And how the hell is he just supposed to get through it? And he says, you know, this is the most that they've all talked in four years, and they wouldn't be doing it right now if he didn't have a gun. And mouth even brings up, well, there's always college or no, I think Jimmy even says, but there's always college, right? And mouth mentions MIT, which was Jimmy's dream school. Well, turns out it was mouths too. They were supposed to go yeah. together. Yep. Uh, Jimmy was rejected, um, for not having enough extracurricular activities. And Jimmy finally admits that he's doing all of this because he's just tired of everything. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Then we go back to the library and Peyton is kind of floating in and out of consciousness a little bit. You know, she's she's fading a little bit. And Lucas, to try to keep her awake, makes her talk about a good day she had. And she talks about a snow day, about how when she was younger, she and Brooke made a snow fort with a tunnel on their snow day. And she keeps talking and her train of thought brings her back to the present. And Peyton says that so many people are going to try to make sense of what happened today, but no one is going to really be able to. And the sad thing is the people involved will never be the same after today. She then admits to Lucas that she knows that it's not glass in her leg, that she has a bullet in her leg and she's bleeding a lot. And Lucas says, yeah, you've got a bullet and he may have to carry her out of there. And she says, he's always you're always saving me. And he says, well, somebody's got to. And Peyton tells him or she asks him if she tells him she loves him right now, would he hold it against her? Because she's lost a lot of blood right now. And she tells him to come closer and she kisses him. And she says, that's just in case he can't keep his promise. <sighs> mhm. Uh So Jesse, you called it. I I'm sitting here sitting all on all every ounce of smugness I feel because this is not the time to say like eh, I called it, right? Like this mm-hmm. is just not the no, time. I, know. I, I want know. you to know but, how hard but, I'm sitting on it all. <laughs> like, but you did. But you completely predicted this whole thing. So I did. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. I, yeah. You did. And it was um, very impressive. 
Uh-huh. I mean, uh huh. Yeah, I uh, I can talk more about it later, but yeah, yeah, we'll no. talk more about that. We'll talk more about at all the, the things that you yes. predicted at the end of last episode, at the end of this episode when we get yes. through it, because there I, were I quite think, a few. Yeah. Yes. No, but okay. So this is when I said at the beginning of the episode that I thought this episode was heavy-handed. These two scenes, the the one with Jimmy. With all, with like Rachel saying, it's only 700 days, right? Mm -hmm. And this, and this scene with Peyton saying, you know, like being very clear headed about the ramifications of living through a school shooting. Mm -hmm. These are the two, these are the two scenes that felt the most written by an adult, right? These are the two scenes that felt so heavy handed that while they were saying really good things that need to be said and talked about, especially to the high school kids who are watching this in 2006, as an adult, I'm sitting here going, there is an adult in a windowless room in LA writing this on a, on a fucking legal pad, thinking they're a fucking genius because they have solved school violence. Yeah. Right. It's Be- very preachy. It's very preachy yes. in what it is. And it does not come off. It, it, yeah. They do the best with what they've got yeah. with it, but it, you're right. The, the material itself is very, very preachy. Yeah. And so I don't want to yeah. like downplay how important episodes like this are because obviously these characters resonated with teenagers at the time. Um, it is important to hear these characters you identify with saying like it's only seven hundred days. We're go- you're it's gonna get better, right? But what I will say, those tutoring center sessions and why it's so hard for me to summarize is literally there were so many sound bites of like, this is important, you should know. This is important, you should know. This is important, you should know. This, 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 this. They just kept hammering it in everybody's brain of all of this stuff that 700 days, you can deal with it. Kids shouldn't be like this. Blah, 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 blah. It got so much by the end of it all that I was just like, aren't they done talking? Yeah. I get it. I get what you mean with it. Cause that's kind of how I felt by the end of it. I'm like, are they done talking about all this stuff yet? Cause literally they just keep hammering this random shit in our brains. Yeah. So yeah. Um, okay. Then we go back to the gym and the bitchy reporter tries to talk to Brooke and tells her, you know, the country is obsessed with tragedy and if her analyzing it makes her part of the problem, then so be it. But then she very callously calls out Brooke and says, do you even know Jimmy or spend any time spent any time with him ever? And she tells Brooke, maybe she shouldn't be the only one ashamed of herself and walks away. I'm like, fuck you lady. This motherfucker. This bitch. Go away. Oh God. I hated her so much. And then the poignant thing happens is she leaves and immediately a mom comes up to Brooke and asks her, if she's seen her daughter, Glenda. And the reason she's asking Brooke is because Glenda told her that they were friends. And Brooke immediately covers and says, oh, I thought you said Brenda. Um, I'll go try to find Glenda for you. And Brooke immediately walks out of the gym and breaks down outside. Mm-hmm. I mm. See, that's the right way of doing it and hitting that close to home and getting a point across. Instead yeah. of preaching it to us. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. for Brooke, it's like the emotions she's got to be feeling of 
you know, all her friends, she's the only one that made safe. it out. Yeah, she's yeah. the only one safe. Yeah, she's the only she's literally the only one that made it out. So there's that guilt. There's the guilt that this fucking reporter just threw on her of how much time have you spent with Jimmy Edwards in the past four years? And then this. And yeah. what I really liked about this scene with her is, you know, the reporter says what she says to Brooke and you can see Brooke like start to tear up and like you can see the gears turning in her head as she sits there and looks at the ground and starts trying to calm herself down so mm -hmm. she doesn't break in front of all of her classmates and then Glenda's mom walks up mm -hmm. and oh god yeah I just mm. yeah She's oh Brooke, sweet yep. Brooke. Yeah. Then um, Brooke calls Karen um, to come get her from the gym because obviously she needs a parent, and Karen is everybody's parent. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I literally said, "But where's Karen?" When uh, the police officer is like, "Well, you're gonna be here for a while." I'm like, "Yeah." Where's Karen? Karen? Yeah. Can take everyone home. Yeah. I would also so, like to think that Karen was the one who called Larry and was like, you need to come home. Yes. Like that's yep. I, I you, that's yeah. what I would also like to think. Yes. That's <laughs> what Karen that's what Karen was doing after she fell apart in Keith's Keith's arm. She got her shit together and was like, I gotta call some people. Hang on. These kids need yeah. a mom. She called <laughs> she called Jimmy. She yeah. called Larry. She called Lydia. She called all the yeah. parents who are not there and go, uh, just so you're aware, shit, some, some shit just went down with your kids. So I got it. We're I am good, tired of being but... a single parent to this whole town. I need some support here. Jimmy, she is Lydia? the phone tree. There yeah. are... <laughs> like, Jimmy, it is Lydia? a, it is a one, one branch phone it's tree. A singular branch. That's just Carrie, bro. <laughs> And she said, Jimmy, Lydia, get your asses in your Winnebago and get your asses back over here. Your daughter was just been in a school shooting. Because <laughs> she turned into full Southern mom. She like, get it. your asses back in that Winnebago. Get back. <laughs> Dear God. Okay, we just broke ourselves. It's fine. Um, we're, 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 I was already broken. Let's fine, right? Be it's fine. It's here. fine. Um, yes. So Keith tells Karen, yeah, go, go, go. Get Brooke. I won't let anything happen to our boy. Ugh. Second time, third time, third time, seventh time, twelfth uh, time. time. The help. <laughs> I've been crying again. That's all that really matters here. For Forty-seven yeah. minutes yes. <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah. So, after he says that, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've got this in your in your recap in front of you. Uh, there is one of those fun little camera tricks where the background comes into focus, and, and it's see, Danny Boy. Danny Boy. Danny Boy. Yep. Hear it all every word. Yep. Yep. So then we go back to the tutor center and um, Nathan and Haley are holding hands and, you know, trying to comfort each other. And Jimmy calls Nathan out for what he said about Haley on the time capsule. And Nathan and Jimmy start to argue about how wrong all of this is until Haley notices that Abby is kind of quiet down from her, you know, panic attack that she was having and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And she's just now looking real ill and real clammy. And we figure out that um, Abby's diabetic and her insulin is in her locker on the other side of the quad. Mm -hmm. And at that point, every single kid in there pleads with Jimmy to let her go. 
so she can go get her insulin and not die. And Jimmy reluctantly agrees and lets her cross the line, opens the door for her. She hangs out in the doorway and she's hesitant to leave because she says she's scared of the others. And Jimmy finally admits there's no others. And does any of this look well planned to you? Listen, I laughed at that. Line I, laughed. I yeah. laughed. I, I laughed. Have, Jimmy I laughed. I at him going, does this look well planned to does you? Does any of this look well planned to you? And I did like. I know. No, yeah. <laughs> I laughed a little bit because I mean, he's, he's not wrong. And no. So, but also it's, it was just that, so that interaction between him and Abby, like when she's still standing at the door and just like, this is the moment that you really start to feel like Jimmy is making, like Jimmy knows that like, this is not going to end well for him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, and he's you can tell by the as we speak through the entire episode of what's going on and how this is going to affect him. Yeah. And, and also, but you can tell by the look on his face after she's gone, when he like kind of smiles a little bit that it's like in his mind, he's like, well, at least I did one good thing before I died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, then we get a little montage of uh, Abby yeeting herself out of the school. Um, we get a montage then of Peyton slowly losing consciousness. Um, Karen getting Brooke from the gym. Lucas unbarricading the door to get Peyton out of there. And as Jimmy walks back in, he sees Nathan texting. Um, what I forgot to mention before was Nathan said he didn't have a cell phone and he lied to Jimmy, obviously. And turns out that Nathan texts Dan that Jimmy's the only one there and they are in the tutor center. And a SWAT is preparing to go in. Keith begs Dan to let him go in and talk to Jimmy because otherwise if SWAT goes in, they're just going to kill Jimmy and Keith thinks he can save him. It's not even that they're going to kill Jimmy. It's Keith. Honestly, I think Keith's concern is, you know, not just for Jimmy, but for the other kids in the mm-hmm. tutor center, because, because his exact words are Jimmy's going to get spooked and this mm-hmm. is going to end badly yeah. because True. obviously, you know, this whole time Jimmy has been threatening to kill anyone who comes into the school. Yeah. And I don't entirely think he was bluffing no. because yeah. I think that, you know, Jimmy, like, I mean, yes, he's, he's very obviously scared, but at this point he, I think that, and he even says that they're going to remember him as a monster. Oh, so yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. That's, yeah. I thought yeah. he already said it. No. Cause this is what happens then. Um, yeah. after that, Jimmy says he, th- he threatens the group again and says that he means business with the gun and whoever steps in that hallway again is going to die. And just then you see Lucas carry Peyton out of the library and he can't catch the door and the door slams shut. The noise is heard through the hallway and Jimmy goes out into the hall and he says he's going to be remembered as a monster. I wonder how you'll all be remembered. Right. And that's why I'm like, he's already like he's he knows he he knows how this ends for him. Yeah, he meant what he said because. He's he's like, well, now I have to go through with it. Mm-hmm. So I think Keith is absolutely correct in being like, no, if they go in there, more kids are going to end up dead, not just Jimmy. Yeah. So. Yep. So then um, we see Lucas almost get out of the school until Jimmy catches him 
um, while he's carrying Peyton out. And Jimmy says he didn't mean to hurt her at all. And we see Keith pop in and say he knows. He knows he didn't mean to hurt anyone. And Keith begs him to let Lucas and Peyton go. And just he and Keith can then talk. And Jimmy repeats that he says he didn't mean it. And Keith says he knows. And Keith acts as a human shield for Lucas and Peyton as Lucas leaves. Keith tells him that he loves him. And Keith then turns back to Jimmy and asks him for the gun. And they say they can walk out together. And Jimmy says he can't. And Keith reminds him he's not leaving him. And Keith then tells him that he's been there. He he bought a gun once and thought about using it. And he tells him it gets better. He tells him the voice in his head is wrong. And Jimmy just breaks down and says he can't take it back. He starts crying and he says he wanted them to just leave him alone. He wanted them to like him. And Jimmy breaks down even more and tells him that it hurts. It always hurts. And Jimmy says he's sorry and turns the gun on himself and shoots him in the chest. Yep. Because uh, one of the in one of the conversations that like in a basic recap like this, like super understandable that stuff got glossed over, but like mm-hmm. we learned that Jimmy tried to commit suicide. You know, he tried to, Oh my God, I forgot about how he, did I not his, put that in there? No, it's okay. Yeah. Oh. There, cause, cause everything happens in this episode and it's all dialogue based and it's totally right. But like we, we learn out that we learn out, we learn that, uh, he did try to, uh, he tried kill to commit himself. suicide he tried earlier suicide. this year uh earlier this school year and he was not successful and it you know that was part of his yeah. you know i i guess it wasn't even a turn no, but that's I, the here's thing. I his... found it i skipped a whole like paragraph so what it was was back in the tutor center before um it's in the same yeah. scene where he lets Abby go. It's before it's it's between it's before, that. Um, yeah. It's it's before he lets Abby go. Um, the bell rings and we all realize that it's only been an hour. Um, it's only second period right now. And they all say about where they're supposed to be. And Jimmy tells them he had a day once where not a single person talked to him at all. And then he went home after that and overdosed on antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And he was in the hospital for two weeks. And when he came back, no one even noticed he was gone. Yeah. And that's when mouth breaks down and mm-hmm. tells Jimmy they're supposed to get past it. Um, all the greats were never good in high school, but they become adults and they get past it. And adults don't get it because they were kids once and then they ignore it. And it's hard. And they're just all supposed to get past it and take it back. Oh. That was the hard conversation that he and Mouth had that I missed that I'm kicking myself for missing. But oh, well, um, that's all right. And then we yeah. did but, miss yeah. the real quick thing where Brooke actually goes and finds Glenda mm-hmm. and Glenda tells her that she may sit here a little while longer. Um, she thinks her mom takes her for granted and she kind of wanted her to just be a little scared about losing her for a little bit. Um, but as she leaves. Um, to go find her mom, Brooke tells her that she's sorry for not knowing her. And Glenda says, it's okay. She knows her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh. um, 
back yeah. to where we were. Back yeah. to where we were. Sorry. Oh, God. Um, so before we start talking about that, I just talking specifically about Keith making himself a human shield in between oh, Lucas and Jimmy that, because that because so real. as soon as and truthfully and I admit like this shouldn't have been funny to me but the first time he's like what the fuck the first time Jimmy's like what the fuck the school is on lockdown right it yeah. hurts and then Keith is Keith pops his head in and Jimmy's like, what the fuck? The school, the school is, is on lockdown. Like, yeah, that shouldn't have been funny. But it was. But it was, it was a little, little bit. It was but a little by, by this time of the of the episode, everything is so fucking tense. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Anything that's remotely thing. funny seems the most hilarious thing you've ever heard in your life because it's so tense. Because we we as humans need to break the tension for right. ourselves. And like, yes, a kid who is the reason the school is on lockdown, screaming about the school being on lockdown is absurd and feels out of place in this yes. exact moment. And, yeah. and yeah. also, you realize he's like, is, I mean and obviously we know how this scene ends is like, this is Jimmy realizing like he has minutes left yeah, of his mm-hmm. life, whether he takes it himself or someone comes in and takes it for him mm-hmm. because he's like, okay, there is an adult in the school. That yeah. means they're getting ready to come for me. Yeah. yeah. And just watching Keith put himself in like the first moment that he steps in between Lucas and Jimmy, you can see Chad in the background. Mm-hmm. Like Lucas is trying to find something to say and the panic on his face. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh God, that hurt. I yeah. had never noticed it before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was no, just like, Oh, it's so good. Cause not to mention too, he's also like, I have a dying girl in my arms. Yeah. I need One to of get my best friends is bleeding out in my arms and my, daddy uncle is playing human shield for me like it's there's yeah. a gun pointed at me my new dad is standing between me and the gun best friend bleeding out in arms like fuck yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. so um yeah so then um we get a, a little mini montage of we see the tutor center hear the gunshot um oh god he- that broke me everyone's the looks on everyone's faces and specifically, mouth and Rachel burying yep. his yep. chest into yep. burying himself into Rachel's chest because mm-hmm. he is sobbing. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! And it's yep. just like so. I told Brody this right before you hopped on Jesse, but it was during the scene between Keith. Basically, from the moment Keith showed up in the hallway to the end of the episode, I was hysterically sobbing. And like to the point that my dog threw himself into my lap and started kissing my face. Like that is how things were going over here. Like yeah. I was completely, I was a complete, I mean, I'm a complete, I'm crying now talking about it. Like, but yeah. And for me, again, the hardest part of that scene was in the last, you know, three minutes of this episode was not how it ends. Mm-hmm. But it was watching that Jimmy have that breakdown. Yeah. Because it's it's 
Yeah, what I feel is powerful about this episode is not the content of the episode. It is the emotion that the characters feel right. because of the content. The content and the dialogue to me are not the best this show's done. It is how the actors portray the emotion right. through this episode that is the powerful part of it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we see then Keith kneel over Jimmy's body. Um, Peyton is loaded into an ambulance. Karen and Lucas embrace. Lucas hugs Brooke. We see Mary Edwards crying outside of the school. And the last scene is Keith is still over Jimmy's body. We see Dan walk into the school. Pick up the gun. Keith tells him that Jimmy's gone. And Dan silently points the gun at Keith and shoots him. And the episode ends. And I throw my notebook and I scream and I. <sighs> yeah, there it is. Don't ask us what we thought of it, Brody. Please <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> don't say what did we think of this episode. No, kids. I don't even think of this one, kids. This little romp through the high school. Oh, uh, Jesus. So, uh, how, are we, how are we processing things, how everybody? How are we feeling? How are we, how are we doing? Feeling? How yeah. are we doing? Check, let's check uh, in, kids. How are we doing? Just a little mood check of the room. Uh, okay, we've been talking about Dan Scott's uh, super villain turn for months now. Yeah. But never have I ever... <laughs> I never thought villain turn would turn into fratricide with a boy's gun who just uh, died by suicide in a school hallway. Uh, Never would have guessed it. I was correct about a lot of things last week. I could not have cooked this up in my wildest dreams. You couldn't have. And we knew that. No, I know. Livid. That's what it was so I'm terrifying. Livid. Because literally, the season two recap episode, you said someone was going to die in season three, and you thought it was going to be Keith. Okay, so I'm. I we need to journey back before okay. we. Okay, uh, back in the day before this podcast was a glimmer in any of our eyes, or at least in my eye, uh, I was stress free. Like scrolling yes. through BuzzFeed articles. I didn't have to worry about anything back nope. in those days, right? Nope. nope. I was reading an article about the biggest what the fuck moments in early 2000s television, not absorbing anything, really. Like, no names meant anything to me. I was too busy watching American Idol and Everwood in the early 2000s. I don't, I don't know any of these people, right? but what I distinctly remember about this one article I read eight years ago, maybe is that there was a big funeral on one tree Hill because they killed off a very like a loved, very important character. I remember no names. I remember the overhead shot of the funeral with all of the characters dressed in black and the and the facts that it happened. So as we're gearing up, as like Keith has been gone for so long and we miss him so much, 
uh, I go, God, I wonder if it was fucking Keith that died. Are they going to do that next next season? And then he comes back and and he's so in love and he's going to adopt Lucas and everything's going great. I'm like, these motherfuckers are about to murder Keith Scott. And then they set up the school shooting episode. And I'm like, these motherfuckers are going to kill Keith Scott in a school shooting. Listen. <laughs> Hmm. Listen, I hate that I knew that I came. I figured this out. I hate that I figured it out. I'm even madder how it happened. But that is. Did, did you know that that was the way, or did you have an inkling that that was who was going to pull the trigger? No. <laughs> how? Dan is like a blackmailing rich dude. He's not a a, a shooter. He's got well, Bob to do that, right? Well, Bob's in so, New Zealand with what's his face? Bob's in New, no, it's Jeeves. Jeeves, Jeeves is in New <laughs> Zealand is with in Bob. New Zealand with Bob. <laughs> I so I've been thinking a lot about how this ends, like yeah. not just today or last week, but really like since Bro- Brody and I started alluding to the fact that we were gonna need to take a beat after episode sixteen, uh-huh. um, and. You know, the super villainy that has that the Dan Scott has become. And one of the things that I think makes Dan such a good villain is clearly he's, you know, obviously we know just based on his actions in previous episodes that like he is 100% certain that Keith tried to kill him. He has threatened Keith multiple times now. So was he probably in the process of thinking up ways to murder his brother? Mm-hmm. Probably. Or ruin his brother. Or ruin because his brother. Because to this point, killing people has not been Dan Scott's style. No. 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 He because, is into... because he can't get away with it. Right. No, so Dan Scott pulled that fucking trigger. Ben looked at me and said, is that fucker about to get away with murder? And I said, absolutely he is. Like, he's got the perfect alibi. There were two the gun, alibi. There right. were two gunshots and two dead bodies. Right. Yep. How, yeah. do you th- how, how would you think it happened? He's going to walk out of that. I mean, and thank God we're, we're not, and I'll, I can, I don't mind going ahead and saying this, but like, no. thank God we are not forced to endure a, sociopath dan pretending to have emotions walking out of the school going my brother is dead like we we do not have to sit through that thank god that doesn't happen thank god. but it's Good. implied that that's exactly what happens right and i think and back to my point of like what i think makes dan such a good villain is the way that he immediately realized this was his chance to do what he's been trying to figure out how to do and get away with it. Right. And it's like, just, just the fact that those gears were turning enough that he was like, wait a second here. Keith's going to go into this school. Mm -hmm. There is a 50% chance that this kid is going to kill him. And if this kid doesn't kill him, then I've got an alibi. Right. And, it's so awful and it's so terrible and it's just like oh god i mean 
I, I mean, I, I can't speak for Brody, but this is this is a turn nobody saw coming. No. Like, nobody could have. I, I believe it. Yeah. I think even going in, like, with Keith going into the school, like, we, I think as viewers, when we all watched it the first time, we kind of were on edge and assuming the fact that Jimmy was likely going to shoot Keith. That's what I thought. And um, then yeah. it doesn't happen, and we get that, like, very brief moment of reprieve, and then Dan shows up. Right. Well, exactly. And you and realize what he's going to do. It happens within the last minute of the show. There is no time left. So in your brain, when I remember watching it, I'm like, oh, I'm really sad that Jimmy shot himself, but that's going to be it. We're going to be okay. Right. And yeah. then the last 20 seconds happen. Yeah. Right. No, I love being right as a person, but when Jimmy shot himself before Keith got injured, mm-hmm. I was never happier to be wrong. I was sure. You were like, oh my God, he's okay. He's going to be okay. He's going to then... make it. And then I saw that motherfucker's face coming around that fucking car. Sorry, I, we, I am earning our explicit tag this week because Get it, girl. I, fuck, Get it, girl. I'm pissed. And it's not even you see his face. You see his fucking shoes first. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is just and I'm his like, shoes. And he picks up the gun and you see Keith look up at his face. You see and then you every see Dan. ounce of fear on Keith's face when he's like, why does Danny have that gun? Hmm? Like, Ugh. It shifts because he first goes, he's gone, Dan. Right. And then he, he sees the Dan's fact that Dan. comfort him. Yep. And then uh-huh. Dan has the gun. And then the color drains out of Keith's face. And yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, hmm. God, pissed. I'm uh-huh. so pissed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and what sucks the- is we can't tell you how long he gets away with it for. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> fine. It's fine. Or, yeah. Or if he gets away with it permanently. Like, when I, it's, it's an interesting thought. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have even asked. Like, I know how this works by, the, by now. Yeah. Um, the fact I I will say I will be a mess. Like, however much I am not emotional this week, next week it's all like game over. Like yeah. I can guarantee it. Next, I'll week just say this: next over. week is a gorgeous episode where they literally go through the stages of grief, mm-hmm. and it is so good and so powerful. Yeah, mm-hmm. my dog will be throwing himself into my lap next week. Uh huh. Uh huh. And it is a gorgeous piece of television that I think often is overlooked because of what happened this episode. Yeah. But next episode for me is just as powerful, if not more powerful, because mm-hmm. it's less preachy than what this episode proved to be. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So. So <sighs> let's talk about your other big prediction from this episode. Which one? Yes. That, um, the, the, the. That we need to address. Thing? Yes. Oh, God. I mean, I don't, I don't know because like, yes, I was kind of right. Yeah. Like I'm sure this throws whatever like wrench in whatever Lucas has going on right now, but, uh, it's also going to be exacerbated by Keith's death, right? Like whatever. So there were extenuating circumstances that I don't even think Brooke Davis can blame Peyton for kissing Luke. At that moment right. in no, time. Girl thought she was going to die. Right. She was bleeding out yeah. and in and out of she consciousness. Bleeding out in the library. Like, I don't even think Brooke could be mad at Peyton kissing Luke at that moment in mm-hmm. time. 
Um, but the fact that Luke carried her out uncon carried her unconscious body out of the school after his new dad played human shield for him to get them out safely, and then his new dad got murdered. Um, all of that is going to play more of an effect, I think, than whatever happened between them in the library. So I think like, yes, sure, I was right about it, but I could never have imagined the entire, how everything was going to, because I didn't think Peyton was going to get hurt. I really didn't. I thought like, I don't know what I thought. They they can edit things to be dramatic for these uh, episode yeah. previews. Well, he so. carries her. There's a clip of him carrying her out in the trailer. That right, and and I watched. go, oh, oh, she like passed out. She like hit her head. She, you know, like there's so many things other than being shot that could have been mm -hmm. the reason for that. So right. I I did not think any of our gang were gonna be injured at all. Mm. Um, so I don't know. That's like the least of my worries right now, honestly. I'm like, whatever happens with Luke and Brooke, like happens, like Keith's dead and I'm mad about it. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, Oof. yeah. Karen, Karen. I can't, I can't even think about Karen right now. I can't do it. <laughs> I... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Okay. Anything else we want to add kids before we wrap this one up? Um, I think, and obviously, I know and we'll, we're going to put a trigger warning at the beginning of this episode before it starts, but yeah, yeah. I think it's just worth reiterating to anyone listening that if you are in a situation where you are feeling upset and alone and like the world has ended, you're going to be okay. And it does get better. And please, please reach out to people. Um, whether it be a suicide hotline or somebody you trust. Um, but also on that same point, if you are someone who has a friend who you know struggles with yes. mental health, uh, reach out to them because reach sometimes them. it's a lot of work. If you are in a bad mental health place, it's too much work to be the one to reach out. Yes. Um, Take care of each other. Yeah. Um, Reach out your hand. Don't don't suffer alone. Don't let someone suffer alone. Um, because they're uh, speaking as you know a now thirty one year old person who grew up with this TV show. Speaking as someone who has her own mental health battles and has friends who, quite frankly, in the last month have tried to kill themselves. Um, <laughs> just know that you're not alone and look out for each other. Yeah. And as much as we joke about therapy in this podcast, like it's never it a bad idea. It helps. <laughs> it helps. So, yeah. Uh, there are, we will, we'll research some uh, affordable community therapy programs uh, nationwide that you can look into for, yeah. and we'll put them in the episode notes so you can, uh, uh, do your do some research if you feel like you are one of those people who needs a little bit of extra um, support with whatever's going on. Because however light we we make of therapy uh, throughout these episodes, uh, it's important to have that support in your life. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on social media. We're everywhere at On Wednesdays Pod. And we will see you guys next week for another episode of On Wednesdays We Watch One Tree Hill. We'll see you guys then. Bye. Bye. Bye.